Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, in for Bill on this Friday. Bill off uh, enjoying what is a, a cold weekend now after the crazy weather from earlier this week. A lot of stuff going on today. The Bucks are back tonight. We'll get to that a little later on in the show. All-star break over. Some big returns on the roster. Some question marks as well. The Brewers play. Cactus League getting up and going. They play the Dodgers tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well. Grant, we have some positive things to say about the Brewers at the top of the next hour. And I'm looking forward to that because they get a lot of slack. Some of it, most of it deserved. I want to say positive things about their team and actually uh, how they're going to play. Let's play a game. Everyone has to say something nice about the Brewers. (laughs) There there are things to say. There are nice things to say about the Brewers. I'm totally with you. It's just... There's probably more negative things. There's a lot of negative things, but that's a game we should play with tweeters and callers. Everyone say something nice about the Brewers. They aren't as bad at PR than a certain college basketball program's head coach. Oh, that's true. Given recent events. There's something positive. It wasn't that hard. It didn't take that long. But we'll get to that coming up uh, at noon. What we're talking about today... Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has not announced his decision yet. He is reportedly out of the darkness. We'll see when that happens. With Bill being off today, I thought today would be the day just because of how perfect that would set up to be with his one day off. But realistically, I think it's sometime early next week. I hope it's early next week because there are some other decisions that have to be made. And it is pretty funny to watch the Jets just sit there, Grant, and wait for Rodgers, talk about how great Derek Carr is, who, uh, by the way, all this Hall of Fame Derek Carr stuff, if he was so damn good, the Raiders would have kept him. Like, what are we doing with that? I have a Derek Carr take. I I sent it in a group chat the other night. I think starting his career in Oakland, totally irrelevant, never on TV, I think that's the reason why his career is the way that it is. I think if he started with the Giants or the Cowboys, with a team that actually had media attention, and the people actually cared about, he wouldn't have lasted as as long as a starter. That team moved to Vegas, and within two seasons, they're like, mm, we need to do better than this. We're in the big city now. There's other things to do. Total cowherd take. A happening city, lots of entertainment options. If we want people to come to games, this guy is not it. And they could not. They In the middle of the season, That's after Devontae Adams literally came there to play with him, I, I think the transition from Oakland to Vegas is a big reason why they were like, we can't do this anymore. I think playing in Oakland as long as he did really shaped our perception of him. Huh? That's interesting. I I mean, except for the fact that the giants and Cowboys have spent years with mediocre quarterbacks. (laughs) That's true. They probably, but we knew it. The giants are going to pay Daniel Jones thinking about paying Daniel Jones. You can't let that guy walk out the door. Right. Come on. 45 mil. And I know Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, but he's most, one of the most mediocre quarterbacks in NFL history. Throughout most of his career. Derek Carr could could be a mediocre quarterback on a good Giants team, in theory. Does he have the intangibles of Eli, though? His what intangibles? <laughs> you, you weren't taking that argument for a second. Okay, never mind. No. Moving on. 877-867-1670. But how... I, the, the focus is Rodgers, Grant. And the focus yes, is yes. what the offseason looks like. Because when we get a Rodgers decision then a lot of clarity for the Packers, for us in this business, for the fans, as to what the offseason will look like, what next year will look like, what the future will look like. 
So when that happens, it's obviously going to be an extensive reaction. But until then, I mean, there's a the Packers are at a fork in the road, and there seem to be some some good options on both sides. But whatever happens, the fork could lead to different decisions. So one of the, one of the big questions we're asking today is: Is this Packers roster championship ready, or is it more of a fringe playoff roster? And many agree still at Ben Z Kenny on Twitter that it is more of a fringe playoff roster. Uh, and, and then the other thing is, if it's Rodgers or if it's Love, what would be done differently? How how differently would Brian Gutekunst approach the draft? How differently would he approach the offseason? Grant seems to think not not very different. I'm yeah. I. I would see fewer veterans brought in and maybe if they are in the draft and it's love, maybe they don't look at wide receiver necessarily to need it right now, but instead know that maybe money could come free in a couple of years, but instead look at, look at someone dominant on defense or an offensive tackle to be Bakhtiari's replacement. Like if it's Rogers grant, there's no way in the first round they take a tackle because that would, that would be a guy that could have an impact but instead, he'd be sitting behind Bakhtiari and ready to take over when he's done. If it's love, True. I could see that scenario. Unpl- and I would be okay with it. If okay. they want to take a really good tackle to replace Bakhtiari in two years, I'm totally cool with that. You, you need it. And I guess you, it would be another succession plan. You would be better equipped to move from Bakhtiari if you didn't have to go and do it at the moment. Instead, have years to train them under the system. So that's where I, I could see the you. difference. Yeah, uh, a question for you about the the fork in the road this offseason. Let's say Rodgers comes back to the Packers, says, all right, I made my decision. I want to come back. I want to stay in Green Bay. And the Packers say, wonderful. We're happy to have you. And then Rodgers says, but I need Bakhtiari, Cobb, Lazard, Mercedes Lewis. And the Packers say, uh, we'll keep Bakhtiari, but nobody else. Or we, we're going to move on from Bakhtiari. We have a plan to replace him. Does Rodgers really then say, well, then I want to leave? I don't, you know what I mean? Like Roger says he wants his guys back. Is he going to leave because he doesn't get his guys back? If the Packers want to build this team a certain way, I don't really know. There's no way that Rogers wants to come back to the Packers, but if they don't have his guys, then he wants to leave. I, that seems like a, like an overblown narrative to me. I agree. Also, how long does that process take? Because yeah. if they have a week long discussion about it, by that point, the jets have a quarterback, by that point, the Raiders probably have their QB. There is a, a real point where it's too late to make a trade in terms of which yeah. team will go and do it. If it's after the draft, what if the Raiders go and draft a quarterback? Why, why would they trade for Rodgers in that well, scenario? Oh, yes, of course. Baylor legend. Uh, and then Auburn. I could not have told out. you where he went to college to well, save my life. He went to two colleges, actually. He was at Baylor. What was the first? He was at Baylor under Matt Rule when it was okay. very good. And then he went to Auburn and struggled a bit. It was him and do you remember Corey Coleman? I remember that name. Drafted by the yeah. Browns in the second round. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got into college daily fantasy picks where you oh, set lineups, God. and it is impossible. Because the I NFL, bet. it's so uniform, and you know that the games will look a certain way. In college, you could take anybody in the world. So that was when Leonard Fournette was great and you would pay all the salary to get Leonard Fournette. At the same time, you get a Baylor versus Texas Tech Big 12 game where it's 72 to 60, and those players just go crazy. So the Jared Stidham-Corey Coleman stack in Daily Fantasy was where it was at. That was how the people made the money. Uh, That was what I did in high school. Clear that I had much of a life at that point. But 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I mean yeah. when it comes to the timeline and, and whether Rodgers would actually change his mind based on that criteria, I don't think he really has the power to do it at that point. I don't either. Because if he had yeah. said it th- four weeks ago, then there could be time where if there really is no way to make it work, then the Packers could move off and they could get Rodgers somewhere good. Waiting a month to decide, which is fine. Like no real difference between tomorrow and two weeks ago, but waiting a month kind of takes out that process. If he actually wants to go through it. Well, some of these teams that could maybe acquire Rodgers, the jets, the Raiders, I, I feel like you need to take advantage of those teams. Don't give them too long to think about this, right? Because acquiring a really expensive old quarterback is not great process. Like, it's, it's just not. We have lots of examples the last couple of years where it doesn't really work. And if you're able to get one of these teams in a spot where they want to do it, you kind of got to do it before they have a chance to think twice. And I feel like the longer this goes back and forth between the Packers and Rodgers and the more we hear about darkness retreats and this and that and the other thing, other teams are going to be like, eh, we should, we should just draft a guy. A lot cheaper. Give us more of a runway to work with. Or, or the Jets are like, let's just go with Derek Carr. He's kind of a boob. But he's he's not he's not weird. He's not old. He's not as expensive. What? I just feel like if Rodgers wants to get traded and the Packers want to trade him, it would behoove them to do this quickly before other teams think twice about it. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Jets and you go from Zach Wilson to quarterback X, yeah. that'll make anybody look like a great guy. Let exactly. me say that. And actually, you know what's uh uh who said it yesterday? Someone on on first take had a had a good oh it was Lewis Riddick said that that the the reason he thinks Rodgers will return is because he he thinks it'll just work out but also because why would the Jets want a guy like Rodgers when they just got off of Zach Wilson where they need a guy in there from day one and if Rodgers does it then great but history says that that sometimes does not happen yeah I and what a mess. Um, I do I have get a little, a little upset when I hear Jets fans. We don't want Rodgers. Okay, go start Mike White then, you losers. Like, it's on us to say that he's our Blacko. guy. We can talk smack about him. You cannot. <laughs> I mean, Jets fans have, haven't... The most winning Jets fans have ever seen was under the Sanchez with Mr. Rex Ryan. I've never heard that before. People do forget, however, about the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker year, oh, which was electric. It that was. was a fun team. Who was their Who was their back? Um, did they have Matt Forte? I, I was going to say they had an old Matt Forte. It was Todd yeah. Bowles, right? That yeah. was a fun team. That was. I mean, Fitzpatrick's a fun quarterback. Just yeah, in, he is. In in general, uh, Sanchez. That was actually a term coined when. Sanchez played under Chip Kelly for four games in Philly and he lit up the Panthers. Oh oh God. He lit up the Panthers on Thursday night football. It was 40 to 10. And he he, he went, you know, the Eagles, they fascinate me because you've had like a million different eras in my lifetime. I've had two quarterbacks and every season is basically the same. (laughs) And you've had Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson. Yes. Every off season, every Packers season is the same. You've lived like 10 football lifetimes. I've lived like two years. I've had Favre and Rodgers, and every year with both has been the exact same. And you have all these experiences to draw from and different quarterbacks. Uh, Kevin Cobb, oh. McNabb, Vic. Is, geez. I mean, 
you can you can draw you could try to draw a parallel there and say that they are very quick to move forward. They don't get caught yeah. up in in what had been. And sometimes their decision has been very easy. Like well when Gary Anderson was at Wisconsin and he got and he left, but it, that was never going to work. That was an easy decision to go find a guy like Paul Christ. When Chip Kelly was in Philly, it was pretty easy to see that that wasn't going to work out and go find a guy like Doug Peterson. So sure. sometimes it's made easy. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you have Carson Wentz, who is somewhat of a, a locker room problem, and the dynamic stinks, and then they, they move off him and then find some stupid team to trade them draft picks for him. So they've made <laughs> some good decisions, but I say that to say throughout history, they're quick to jump yeah. often, well, which usually works like out well. And the Niners, both are good examples. They're teams with very high peaks and lower valleys. Oh, right? yes. They'll be elite. And then they'll drop off a little bit. They'll get a lot of talent in the draft. They'll build it back up and they'll take another run. So if you look at the line graph, the Eagles and the Niners up, down, up, down. But the ups are really good. And they've been punctuated in the Eagles case by Super Bowls. The Packers just flatline. They're kind of the same every year. Never getting too high, never getting too low. It's two very different experiences being a fan of, say, the Eagles versus the Packers or the Niners versus the Packers. Definitely. I I saw something recently that said the Niners have made the NFC title in every playoff trip they've made in the last 15 years, yeah. I think. Isn't that insane? Because it's either NFC title or 2-14. and 14. It's either yeah. NFC title or injured because they've had some years where they just get squashed by injuries. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you this, though. I, I saw this put out there. So there's obviously talk on both sides media-wise about Rodgers in the future and a lot of speculation. And I don't want to speculate because I, I have no idea. I don't think many have the best idea, but there's there's the Bob McGinn side of it where the Packers are, quote, done and disgusted with Rodgers. Then there was earlier this week, the Jeff Darlington on ESPN, that the Packers believe and want Rodgers to be back. Do you do you see either of those as the more likely right now? Where Did, did either of those words resonate? Do you think both are true? Yeah. Where are we at right now? I think Rodgers probably wants to come back. Why would he want to leave? He's got a good thing going here. He's got a good relationship with the Packers. They, for the most part, give him what he wants. Fans are understanding. We're not going to get too on his case because he's been here a long time. He's our guy. I don't think he wants to go learn a new offense and have to go through a bunch of offseason program stuff, deal with a new coach. I don't think he wants that. So I think, yeah, he is going to want to come back to the Packers. And while Jordan Love is this nice next step and it makes sense to get younger and move on, I don't really see Brian Gutekind sitting across from Rogers and telling him no in a meeting like, Oh, Rogers, you want to come back? Sorry. We're going to trade you anyways. I really struggle to see that happening. Don't you? So I, I do buy into what Jeff Darlington says. I do as well. I, I think it's due to what Rogers wants. And if he does want to come back, then I don't think the Packers will just trade him. I can connect this to college where if, if Luke fickle fails at Wisconsin, in whatever way, if three years from now he's fired after some bad seasons, Chris McIntosh will not be making the next coaching decision. He, he will not oh. make the next coach hire. That's how in, in college football often, if you're going to shake up a program and make a big hire as an AD and it all one. fails, you're not making the next one. Okay. The same way with Goody. I think Goody knows that if Rodgers comes back, because he, he obviously didn't, he wasn't there when they drafted Rodgers. He's inherited the Rogers era. If Rogers comes back, it nothing is a while love pick is kind of a stain on him. 
nothing is a stain on Goody until love fails. Where if Rodgers comes back and it doesn't work, then Goody's in a fine spot. He still gets the get-out-of-jail-free card to go build something his way or, or, or to build it new, to build it a different way. If they, You don't think... Keep going, keep going. The last oh. is if they move off from Rodgers and love comes in and he fails, then we could be looking at a different GM too, in theory, where a lot of his legacy is tied to what love does. Okay. I guess... You said there's no stain on Goody until Love fails. I mean, what if they trade Love this offseason and decide to keep Rodgers? Because I, I think Love probably asks for a trade if Rodgers comes back and is the starter. I, that's not sourced. I mean, I, we, we both talked to Tyler Dunn on our respective shows this week, and he alluded to that. It just seems to be the, the, the feeling around it. Like, Love and his camp thinks he's ready to start, and if it's not in Green Bay, it's going to be somewhere else. You don't think that's a stain? If they move off from Jordan Love and they don't get a great return... It's like, well, what has this all been about? Not just the love pick, but the 2020 draft as a whole. When the entire football community said, you need wide receivers, you need help, and they take a fullback, an H-back, and a quarterback that never plays. Oh, and a linebacker that gets cut after one year. Like, that that draft as a whole, that's the stain on Goody for me. Yes, selecting him is a stain. Okay. How that was all dealt with. And honestly, if you go back to that moment... You can understand kind of why he did it, but I mean more when Love plays under center for the Packers. Okay. Aside from selecting him, because as I said, if Rodgers comes back and it doesn't work, I don't think we look at Goody and say, why did this all happen? I think we can understand why he made the decisions that he made, maybe minus the one-year 100 mil extension, which is still puzzling. <laughs> but Well, team-friendly. It was team-friendly, we but, were told. But if happened. Love starts under center... Then we start to say, okay, you, you moved off Rodgers for, for all of this, and now this is your guy, and it didn't work. But there's a chance, like, like, like listen, I don't mean that to be he, there will be a different GM. I mean, that's when the legacy part of Goody, I think, steps in. Oh, yeah, totally. This is, this is his moment, taking the team from one era to another. I would weirdly be more frustrated if they trade Jordan Love and then are mediocre until Rodgers retires than I would be if they put love in and he fails. If they put love in and he fails, I'm like, okay, it was a smart process. You tried it. It didn't work. Do it again because that's what the NFL is about. If you fail, you get great picks. You try again. I, I would rather see the process be sound and fail than have like half of the process and never see it through, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a good cowherd take right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. good angle. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Where are you at with this Packers roster? Is this a fringe playoff roster? Do you think it can accomplish more with whatever upgrades are made throughout the season? And what do you think will be done differently, if anything, if Rodgers comes back or if not? When we come back, Ryan Clark was on Get Up today. He talked about Aaron Rodgers. You will hear that and a lot more. That's Grant Bills on Ben Kenny and for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, Bill Michael Show. Final hour on this great Friday. Grant, did, did you hear that in the update? What did Zach say? Did you did, did you hear the little? There's a little a little twang to his voice there at the end. 
How so? I- imitate him. When he says, I'm Zach Heilprint. It's I'm Zach Heilprint. It's, there was some sass there. With a, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's what I'm saying. One of my favorite things about the Rogers offseason drama is Zach needing <laughs> to include the details in his updates and do it like with a straight face, you know, and saying, and, and Aaron Rodgers has not yet emerged from his darkness retreat. The Packers wait on an answer and have gotten none with this Wisconsin. Like, I can just tell. I can feel his disgust with having to report on it. It's, and so, it's so good. funny to me. It's so good. So good. Zach's the best. I will. I'll try to get to the bottom of the uh, of the twang. We'll see. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. We could talk Rogers. We could talk Brewers. But this story came out earlier today, Grant. I, I don't know where to start. Should, should we start with the Seattle thing, then get to the Broncos thing, and then talk about how it connects to Rogers? Russell Wilson, uh, a, a big athletic article drops quote his first year with the Broncos. Too much influence, too few wins in disorganized disaster. A, that's a big one. With a, with a triple byline, if you have three reporters working on it, you know it's something big. Pretty much the story was in Seattle, as things were becoming less successful on the field over the years, he went to the front office and said, Pete Carroll and John Snyder, the general manager, said, hey, uh, here, I'll just read the direct quote. Convinced that Carol and Schneider were inhibiting his quest to win additional Super Bowls and individual awards, God, Wilson asked Seahawks ownership to fire them both, according to league sources who spoke to The Athletic. He tried to get the coach and the GM fired last February, and they returned and said, oh, okay, guess what? You're traded. A true... It's either him or me scenario, and boy, did she choose him. Yeah. Oh, this is too good. I love this. I enjoy this because I've just had a distaste for Russell Wilson for a while, and I'm, I'm kind of past the point where I rip on him on my show because public perception is caught up to the truth. You know, I don't, I don't need to be overly mean. I almost feel bad for the guy. This is how this went down, okay? Russell Wilson thought, that the Seahawks were holding him back from winning individual awards. He, th- he thinks, I'm a prolific pocket passer. I don't need to run. I don't need to take this beating. I don't need a great defense. I'm him, okay? I'm Brady. I'm <laughs> Rodgers. I'm Breeze. I can do it, and they won't let me. And we saw last year he can't do it. He's not that guy. Once his mobility goes away, he's short. He can't see down the field, can't attack the middle of the field. The, the infrastructure that the Seahawks put around him was great for him because they didn't ask him to do too much and in the limited opportunities he had to play make he was brilliant because he would run and he would go off script but he's not that guy that's what the Seahawks told him they're like you're not that guy buddy but if you want to go out there and try to prove yourself go ahead go ahead go ahead buddy I can't get over it I mean he's he's getting older right yeah I just can't get over it because then they play in Seattle week one and we get the Hackett clock management disaster Right. Oh, um, and and there's like no embrace, like there's clear tension. But everybody on the Seahawks side is like this, like as soon as we got this idiot out of here, suddenly we were good. Yeah. And they didn't make the playoffs, but they, everyone expected them to win three games. They came out and won what? Eight, eight or nine games. With when Gino they won Smith. that game, I remember listening to, I don't know if it was one of my favorite, one of my football podcasts that I was listening to the next day. And they were like, well, that was fun. 
now the Seahawks will win one game all year and they'll draft their quarterback and they'll be terrible. Obviously, that's not how it went. But that was the perception at the time. No one thought the Seahawks were any good at all, right? And as the the year passed, we learned that they were actually decent and they had a good system around Geno and they're well-coached and good vibes. But week one, that was that was not the belief. That was not how that was supposed to work. I just... And the other thing, Ben, is all of the former Seahawks speaking out oh, God. publicly on Twitter. Not as unnamed sources. Like, any, anytime someone has an unnamed source about Rodgers, Oh, that's Jermichael Finley or Greg Jennings, you know, the, kind of the usual cast of characters. Everyone. It was Doug Baldwin. Yeah. It was, it was everyone. Richard Sherman. That speaks volumes. That's That that tells me so much about the way that that organization kind of worked and, and the way that everyone had to accept this role around Russell Wilson. It's very bizarre. So at 726 a.m. today, Russell Wilson responded on Twitter. He said, quote, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me. And John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. So there's his uh, official response saying it didn't happen. You could read between whatever lines. The interesting part goes on. They go into his time in Denver under Nathaniel Hackett, which lasted 15 games. And a couple paragraphs here, all of them very interesting. So the Broncos gave Wilson an office at the team facility, a rare perk. Uh, Several Broncos veterans said they didn't mind him having his own office, especially because he spent so much time there. Quote, he's got a whiteboard, the sides of the wall, and it's just littered with motivational quotes and new play (laughs) concepts. Receiver Kendall Hinton said it was crazy to see his mind thrown out on the wall. Pause, subscript, grant that. The first thing that made me think of was the It's Always Sunny clip of Charlie and the Conspiracy Theories. Oh, yeah, the Pepe Silvia one <laughs> or on the wall yes. with the mailroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got boxes full of Pepe. <laughs> goes on to say, running back Melvin Gordon said the television in Wilson's office was always tuned to NFL Network. It was just strictly football, Gordon said. Anybody could go to his office and was like, hey, if you want to learn some extra plays, you want to go over this, you want to go over that. But from the outside... <laughs> The existence of the office worked against Wilson when his on-field play failed to measure up. Gee, no I, I, I wonder why. And the location yeah. of the office on the facility's second floor, this is my favorite part, where Broncos coaches and executives also worked, created an unusual team dynamic. Quote, the players were always on the first floor. They never really came up to the second floor, one coach said. If you came up to the second floor as a player, it was, it was not a good thing because you were probably getting released. One offensive player said Wilson told his teammates that he had an open door policy with his office um, to which another coach uh, said seemed problematic. So are you a coach or are you a player? Your open door should be you sitting in your locker. Yeah, that's the player open door policy. I love that. So there's that football guy thing to say. Now, Florio, as expected, has has aggregated and chimed in which I love. And he drew a comparison to Aaron Rodgers. He said experience with Aaron Rodgers influenced Nathaniel Hackett's approach to Russell Wilson. Uh, This is from the pro football talk article. The big takeaway from the item in the athletic was that he wanted the GM and owner, uh, the GM and, and coach in Seattle fired. And then it goes on to say, so after wanting to be, Oh no, that's about Sean Payton. Excuse me. Uh, it, It pretty much goes on to say that Hackett, Uh, when he arrived as offensive coordinator after working with Matt LaFleur had an idea 
of what the dynamic was there and then tried to bring it. Okay. Now, this was not reported. This was his takeaway from it. Um, I, I mean, it's so obvious why that didn't work. Gee, gee, I wonder what happens when you put an old aging quarterback that one team didn't want and traded to you for way too much draft capital and too much money. And then you give him an office on the second floor right next to you. And then he starts to fail on the field. I, I wonder why that didn't work. I, uh, I actually don't hate Nathaniel Hackett's uh, strategy here. Coach Darren Rodgers to great success in Green Bay. And he said, all right, high-profile quarterback, needs a special treatment. I'm going to go to Denver, and I'm going to apply what I've learned in Green Bay to Russell Wilson. There's only one problem, and, and this is a big problem. Russell Wilson's not good. Aaron Rodgers is very good. Like, that's, that's the difference. He's also inside big, the building a great leader, Rodgers is. Yeah. That when he's you there, you you hear almost all of his like all of his teammates speak glowingly. Yes. Yes. For the, the the fan perception and the public perception of Rodgers does not match up with the perception we hear from his teammates. Now there are previous teammates, Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley, and others. Right. It seems to be the same couple guys who have some sour grapes. They had to make it but, in media though. They had to make it somehow. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But all the oh, great leader. I learned so much from Rodgers. Very motivational. The perception of of Rodgers is great from teammates. Broncos, it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, for as much as we we rip on Rodgers, teammates love him. That's not at all the case with Russell Wilson. So when the media went to speak with Wilson, because we see those videos of Rodgers at his locker, which are great, because yeah. you you have Mike Clemens like uh, around the corner with the microphone, which I love. Mike's mm-hmm. the best, Peaking. and. Uh, like you see those videos and he's at his locker and he's in the locker room. When the media goes to talk to Russell Wilson, do they go up to his office and close the door? I don't know. Like, what are we doing here? That's like, a, he's, but, it feels like Jerry Jones. Yeah. Mike Clements has brought it up a couple of times and maybe you can speak to this too. I'm, I'm having a, a difficult time remembering hundred percent, but doesn't Aaron Rodgers want to speak at his locker as to not give the impression that he's above anyone else. Isn't that something that Clemens has brought up? Isn't that the reasoning behind that? And that's why he doesn't go into the auditorium? Yes, I think so. I think so. I I, I don't remember specifically, but I could see that being true. Clemens? He also, like, we always talk about Rodgers versus Brady. And I will, like, Rodgers speaks to the media for 20 minutes a week every Wednesday when all the meetings are done. Brady, when he's not happy, he'll give the media 42 seconds. He'll just end it. Yep. Which I don't like. That's where I credit Rodgers more than anybody. So 100%. So so it's clear like there are massive differences than the than the comparison Florio tried to draw, but I will say was some of what well, first of all, you you saw Sean Payton on his opening press conference and the media asked, "Hey, you know, Russell Wilson has his own quarterbacks coach here. Is is he going to be allowed to do that?" Sean Payton quickly, "Absolutely not. No. That doesn't fly here." So I think that's going to work because he can actually lay down the law. But I think we would be somewhat naive to think that there was no Hackett moving from Green Bay to Denver to allow Wilson all that. He probably saw some of the dynamic in Green Bay and wanted to recreate it. But as you said, Wilson stinks. Yeah, Wilson's not any good. I Like part of this is the organization, right? When you trade this for him, and you give him the contract before he ever plays a snap, it's not that 
Nathaniel Hackett made him more important than it. the organization did. The organization played a huge part in this as well, right? When you give him that deal and you crown him as the savior in this next great Broncos quarterback, the guy we've been looking for, you know, forget getting an office, forget, forget what Hackett did. The Broncos gave him all of this power and lifted him up in this way. Didn't they? Yes. And one may wonder if to a different extent, not to compare apples to apples, but one may wonder if over the years of the personnel decisions and guys, if that's what the Packers front office did as well. Yeah. Well, and the Packers to a lesser extent, right? Yeah. The, the having a no owner thing, I think it's mostly overblown. People like to, you know, cite it here and there. And I think it's mostly a a non-conversation, but Rogers is the biggest figure in the Packers organization. He's bigger than the organization after getting that contract. Right. And, And I think not having the Waltons who, in theory, are still bigger than anyone in Denver, right? Jerry Jones in Dallas. Rodgers is the guy, and that's unique to Green Bay, for sure. Which, that comes with benefits. It also comes with massive drawbacks. Yeah. Where Jerry Jones... A good owner can make a big difference. A bad owner can really, really be an issue, and the Packers don't have to worry about that. Yeah, see future Bucks owner Jimmy Haslam (laughs) in in Cleveland, ruining quarterback markets for the rest of the world. Some... Bucks fans have posited on Twitter that Jimmy Haslam's influence has already crept in, and that's the reason why they went after Myers Leonard. Some. <laughs> you didn't see this? No. I'll find the tweet. I'll send them to you. Oh, They're goodness. ridiculous. But he hasn't bought a, a stake of the team yet, right? No. That's why it's insane. Even if he had bought a stake of the team, it would be insane. <laughs> I'm going to find the tweet. I texted Clemens, by the way. I'm like, is there a reason... Rodgers does the locker versus the auditor. Cause I think he's brought it up to me before, but I can't remember what he said. Yeah. I don't remember that specifically. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, a lot of what's important. A lot of what we lost during COVID was the zoom stuff was being there like present and yeah. being physically there in the locker room. I just, I cannot imagine the media going to speak to Russell Wilson and them just wandering into his office. Hey Russ, you got a minute? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close the <laughs> like door. Like me walking into my boss's office. Exactly. I, he asks you to close the door. Stupid... You're sitting in, yeah. a, in a crap chair while he has this big throne. <laughs> you feel so insignificant. The TV's oh a little too God. loud. You start looking at the whiteboard, and he tells you, tells you not to because that's all the state secrets and his motivational quotes. There's a bunch of Bible verses on the wall. Oh. He makes you sit beneath his big <laughs> crucifix. <laughs> There's a there's a thing of holy water to dink your hand in before you, when you come through the door, you're entering church. It's like you know those YouTube motivational videos that have all the all the really hype speakers and then cool sports yeah. moments. Inky Johnson type. Yeah, it's it's screenshots of that with the quote written under. It's like he, <laughs> I imagine he went into some large newspaper, like and and found all the letters and then pieced the letters together, <laughs> made it a it's quote. The, it's one of the, the pictures of the mountaintop. And it's like <laughs> success taking the, the the road less traveled by by demanding your head coach and GM have been fired and then getting traded to the AFC. Yeah. I kind of feel I, I feel somewhat bad. Yeah, it's all He's worked. married to Ciara. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. I don't lose any sleep at night. I do think it'll He's raising work. Future's kid for him. Yeah. Some alleged. <laughs> I, I I do think it'll work better this year. 
It, it can't get worse. It, it can't get worse. Yeah. Where, you're right. It can't be any worse. Honestly, if you're the Packers and you want the best option of wide receiver upgrades, what does is, what is Bill Belichick do better than anybody in the world? He scouts other rosters. You see so yeah. many guys come over that were bad elsewhere that are great on the Patriots during the Brady era. What if the Packers just start to go pluck? Kind of like the Vikings always take what the Packers don't want. What if sure. the Packers just go and, you know, Jerry Judy's not happy. Oh, okay. come to Green Bay. What if they start to do that? Because I can't. You, you saw those wide receivers. You saw KJ oh, yeah. Hamler after he oh, wouldn't yeah. get the ball. They were pissed. Sure. KJ Hamler was the one who took his his helmet off and threw it down, right? At the, At the end, end of the, of the game. game. Yep. Oh. The Broncos were such a treat this year. I spite watched the Broncos. I do a lot of spite watching when I watch sports. Like when I get home and I, I'm trying to figure out what basketball game I want to watch. I don't often watch a game with the idea of cheering for a team. I've, I find which team I like least and then I root against them. I do this a lot with the Timberwolves and I do it a ton with the Celtics and I get really angry. Very bent out of shape. Like when LeBron melted down oh. in that game against the Celtics a couple weeks ago, I was irate in my living room. It was a Saturday night. Neither one of my teams were playing. I could not have been more upset. I don't do that. I watch golf. <laughs> yeah. Mindless. But I see it. The Broncos were on at weird times, though. They're always the they're always the 330 yeah, the game that, that doesn't matter. The, Card- the Cardinals and the Broncos. Oh. They are the 330 special. And those games sucked because yeah, their do. defense was good. That Titans game they played was like 13 to 11. It was horrible. It was a little like watching the 2016 Badgers, the Alex Hornibrook, Bart Houston Badgers that had this unbelievable defense. And if they could just like flip field position at any given moment, it's like, there's a win. But when you're in the big 10 West, that's okay. When you're the Broncos, that's how you win traded all these first round picks. You're right. That's how you win football games. It doesn't really fly when you gave up the house and all this money for Russell Wilson though. Nope. 877-867-1670. If you want to join the show, do it. You talk Brewers with their spring training getting going. Bucks back in action tonight. And Aaron Rodgers, when are we going to hear? What do you want to hear, most importantly? And then roster-wise, around Rodgers, what does it look like? Is this a fringe playoff team? Is this a championship-ready team? Give an update on the Twitter poll when we come back. A lot to get to. That's Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny, and for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.